0: So, 2021. In one word, describe it. Good chaotic. for you. COVID. All good. COVID. COVID. Uh, chaotic. chaotic. Quick. Quick? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Challenging. Challenging. So, we, I mean, we've got a gamut from good or great or some, something too challenging, too chaotic. There's a whole bunch of responses, right? So I think pastorally, uh, it's been what... So I've been a pastor for 20 years. I know I don't, I know I don't look like that. Uh, it's, but, but the wear and tear... like I'm just kidding. Um, tw- it's 20, 20 years this year, and I don't think it's been a more difficult year than this year, pastorally. And it has had very little to do with COVID. It's had something to do with COVID. There's been a few challenges and a few conversations, but that hasn't really been the big hitters. Uh, most of the challenges have come from other other directions, other things. Um, and yet, it seems as though there's like an immense amount of God's grace and compassion kind of flowing through and, and into and through the community. In other words, a lot of these like pastoral challenges have been really good things to be to be going through. In other words... When people start to feel and understand and know God's grace and, and His compassion, and they start to be secure in how much God loves them, they start to reveal things that have always been true about them, but they haven't ever been safe enough to reveal, and so they've left it in secret. So you can have a really easy week caring for people as long as they hide all their, all, all their kind of things in the shadows. But as they understand that they're loved, and that they will never be loved any less or differently, that God's compassion and grace for them extends for always and forever, they start to open up and they start to let God deal with things that are in shadows. In 2021, there's been a lot of dealing with things that have been in shadows. And that's really wonderful because then God can get to work, His Holy Spirit can get to work. Um, dealing with things, taking things out of our lives and putting more of His grace and love and compassion into our lives. So it's been challenging, but it's been really good. Um, we can't put an expiry date on compassion, right? I feel like, I mean, I have kids. I have, for the visitors, I've got four kids. And, and to degrees, they've tested the, the depth of our grace and compassion. And it's easy to be compassionate with a kid that comes out about this big that's useless for, and can't do anything. But as they start to stretch out and grow and talk and, and they're more able to do things, you, you, you start to have expectations on them. And, and when they, you know, they stop, they don't add life or they add negativity into the environment. It's very hard to be patient and gracious with then a teenager that you're kind of looking at eyeball to eyeball and you think, I pay the rent, I, I put the blah, blah, blah. All these stupid things. All things are from God anyway. We do none of it. But you do nothing except live here and add uh, attitude. And, and I'm misrepresenting my son because he's actually an incredibly delightful teenager. But in the worst of moments, you kind of go, well, did you, was there an end to the compassion? Did the grace run out? What, what happened to patience and God? And in all those moments when they happen and He doesn't deserve any of them, it's always easy to go and say, God is never like that. There's no expiry date on His compassion or His grace or His kindness or His patience. He will correct us. He will rebuke us. He will discipline us, but never, um, in, never with kind of an unrighteous anger. Um, so this year, this church, I was thinking about it just in reflection. And I don't mean to be, I don't want to be negative, but I do want to show you the beauty that comes out of suffering and pain. Um, so I was thinking about it this year. People in the church have experienced lo- loneliness, depression, anxiety, chronic pain, stress, Literal death, the spiritual dark night of the soul, relational fractions, exhaustion, pressure, and many other negative experiences. And there's been many, many other uh, positive experiences that we've all had as well. Um, but I want us to see uh, the unique way that God works in suffering to show His glory to us. Um, so it's in these times kind of, we need to know the nearness, when, we, when we're struggling, we need to know the nearness of God. Um, it's in those times we cry out to God. When we're lonely, we need to know His companionship. When we experience pain, we need to know that God can heal us. When life spins out of control, it's comforting to know that God is sovereign. I don't know what you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those that like to have order and boxes ticked and Clear, run, clear clear path ahead. And when life is chaotic, it's a real comfort to know God's sovereign, like He's over this. He knows, he knows what's going on. Our, our government doesn't know what's going on with, with COVID and that. We, uh, uh, but it's, it's great to know that there's a God over that knows everything. So it's all right. Let's figure it. We'll figure it out um, together. Uh, when we face the reality of our death, our desire for life with Him grows. When we feel young and immortal, heaven doesn't feel so fantastic. When I got married, I've told you this before, as soon as I got married, I was like, God, I, Jesus, I do want you to return, just not very quickly. Just let me have some time with my bride. But I think as you get closer to your death, I'm still very young, but I think as you get closer to it, you realize there's nothing greater than spending eternity with Jesus in heaven. Um, we see our total need for the Holy Spirit when we can barely face another day by ourselves. We understand the beauty and wonder of joy when joy is absent from our lives. Then we understand how wonderful it is. We experience uh, His grace and care um, when, we, when we have to practice box breathing to reoxygenate our hearts that are under stress in the way that God's made us, just to uh, breathe in His oxygen into our lungs. I love that song that we sing sometimes, and we're breathing uh, the breath that You gave us to breathe and return it to you. We're reminded of His glorious nature and character when we sing ourselves back to sleep at 2 a.m. So if God was like a diamond to us, if His character and nature was like this gemstone, then suffering and pain is like this bright light that shines into this gemstone and comes out the other side in all this array of different ways in which God is wonderful and glorious and fantastic, but you need to go through certain things to understand certain things about God. It's no use knowing that God is sovereign if your life is completely in your control. It's no use knowing that God is a healer if you've never experienced any loss or pain. It's no use knowing that God is a God of joy if your life is only pleasure all of the time. And so there's a wonderful way in which God uses uh, pain and suffering. So I'm going to talk a little bit this morning about something You may know more about it. Please don't correct me right now. You can correct me afterwards. Just go with me for a little bit. But I think it's called kintsugi. And it's a Japanese art form. What happened was centuries ago, there was a Japanese warrior. They call them shoguns. And uh, he was a warrior and he broke his very precious tea bowl. And in Japanese culture, the tea bowls are kept for generations and passed down. And even if you break a tea bowl... You, because the tea ceremony is so important to Japanese culture, it's, it's like a spiritual practice. A, the tea ceremony is a way of visualizing the unseeable. So it's a, it's a spiritual event of kind of recognizing uh, the unseeable, the untouchable, um, the spiritual world. And so uh, even if they would break one of their tea bowls, they would still pass that broken vessel down to generations. It's that valuable, that's precious to them because it's their hold on the spiritual. And so the shogun, he broke this very special, his family tea bowl, and he was full of obvious regret and remorse. And so what he did was he sent it to China to get it fixed. And it got returned to him, functionally fixed. It was mended, he could use it. But it had been mended with kind of steel pieces kind of pegging the cracked parts of the vessel together. So it was functional, but it was ugly. Something that was so beautiful and meaningful and valuable could now be used for the purpose that it was made for, but it didn't look anything like it was made to look. So, I mean, who of you here understand that it's not just whether something is functional It's whether something is beautiful as well, right? I mean, fashion wouldn't exist if it was just about covering our private parts. And for some people, that's all fashion is. It's just, where can I get the cheapest clothes that will cover my body? That's okay. But for most people, most people get dressed with a sense of function, but they also want to look in the mirror and like what, they, what they're wearing or at least feel comfortable in what they're wearing. There's a, there's a sense of beauty, whether it's comfort or whether it's the way it looks. There's something about it that makes people decide. Or the car you choose to drive or the house you choose to live in or planting, why do we plant flowers into a garden? There's, there's functionality to things, but there's also beauty to things. And so what happened was he had this tea bowl, but the, the ugliness of the repair... Only amplified his mistake. He only felt worse about what he had done because as he looked at this bowl, it just shouted to him that he can't take care of precious things. He can't be entrusted with valuables. This glorious, wonderful thing that was put into his hands has been fumbled and broken. So, yes, it can be used, but he has kind of uh, undone it. It was a testimony to his limits the craftsmen around him uh, noticed this and they took the bowl and they sat down together to try and figure out a better way of fixing it. And they created a golden lacquer that could be poured into the cracks. And they fixed this bowl and they returned it to the Shogun uh, with what is now known as Kintsugi, which is called the golden repair. And so you have the original vessel... And in all the cracks, keeping the vessel together is gold. And the vessel becomes more valuable because it's more rare, because it's totally unique. And it's not like people run around trying to crack the vessels, their tea bowls. But because of the inevitability of clay eventually cracking, they've got a way to fix it. And when it's fixed, it's more meaningful and more wonderful than it was originally the golden repair. And I think that's a really wonderful picture of what Jesus does for us, the golden repairer. It's not like our lives are without cracks. It's not like anyone here is perfect. It's not like we don't make mistakes. But we have the golden repairer whose crimson blood poured out for us on the cross and pours life into us and takes our our brokenness, takes our, our pain, takes our cracks and pours his life into them, repairs us. He's the Redeemer. He's the Restorer, the Great Restorer. The Bible introduced, he, and he mends us, and so he takes our brokenness and makes it whole. So now there's two kinds of people who don't benefit from this. The one kind of person is the person who's uh, perfect, it's the prideful person who, need, who needs no repair. They've got nothing wrong. They, you know, it's like, how do you need God? No, I, I'm okay. Life's good. Life's sweet. Everything's great. Um, I don't know if any of you know those people, or if you are one of those people, or you're tempted to be one. No, one. no one would put their hand up and admit that, because it sounds like a bad thing. You'd have to first make it sound like a good thing. Then we'd admit to it. But, but really, it's, it's anyone who struggles in this kind of pride of, of life. On the other side, you have the opposite struggle, but it's equally self-centered, which is kind of those who are always victims. They, they're always broken. They're always talking about their pains and their sufferings. They, nothing's ever going good for them. It's always someone else's fault. Always fingers pointed out. Or even if fingers pointed in. But there's always negativity in their life. There's always something going wrong. It's, life is always moving from one difficult situation to the next. From one pain to the other. And, and they're victims. Now for those two people... This, this golden repairer, is of no use. Because you can't repair something that doesn't know it's broken, and you can't repair something else that wants to stay broken. Because a victim can't stay a victim, or, or a, a someone in, in uh, their pain can't keep talking about it if God heals them. They can't keep drawing attention to themselves if God pours life into them. And someone over here would have to admit that there's a need for God to bring to, and that, that requires a great deal of humility. And that's a real challenge. You'd have to go to the repairer with your friends. James 5.16, right? Confess your sins once another, pray for each other, and let God heal you. You'd have to go to your brothers and say, I need God to help me with this, so that He can. So the golden repairer, these two people, and I, and I hope, I suspect every one of us leans... In this direction or this direction? And to the degree that we lean is to the degree that we don't see our desire or need for the golden repairer in our lives. Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, We are all being transformed into His image from one degree of glory to another. See, there he's talking about the kintsugi. God... The golden repairer is transforming us into the image of His Son. Think about Jesus. He left his, his glorious being to come and put on humanity. He came as a man. He didn't come as some other kind of creature. He came as a human being into our world, fully God, fully man, with the limitations of, of that we have. Then He went to the cross and He died. He was crucified, broke, body broken, blood poured out. Uh, body broken uh, for our sins, blood poured out as a covenant to us to make us ours. We are His and He is ours. And then He was raised to life. He was restored to a supernatural life where he, He was given a name above every name and He was given His glory back in heaven, His position again. He sits at the right hand of the Father where He intercedes for us. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he is the one who will come riding a white horse on his return, and all the nations will bow before him and praise him. And yet, isn't it interesting that in his in his risen form, in his redeemed form, as the Holy Spirit has uh, brought him back, what does he still have? He still bears scars. Thomas doubts of Jesus. Jesus said to him, after Jesus had walked into a closed room, so there's his new body, can't wait for my heavenly body. My teenage kids might close their door, but I'll just walk through the wall. <laughs> there Jesus walks into a room. They all go, is this a ghost? And he goes, no, it's me, Jesus. But they can't, they can't understand this because people don't normally just walk straight through. they prove proven, he says to Thomas, look at the scars in my hands, touch them. God's golden repair in Jesus' life wasn't making Him so unrecognizable that He could point to nothing but His radiant glory. Jesus could also point to the crux of His humanity. He said, look, what, look at this. And not only, those weren't only a signs of the crucifixion, they were signs of what God had done, that God had raised Him to life. That means that everything Jesus had said He was getting done on the cross got done on the cross. And so it is with us. You know, we look forward to being in heaven. But it's not going to be like we are unrecognizable. I mean, it's hard to believe, you know, I might still be a, a, a redhead in heaven. But I thought we got redeemed and restored. Yeah, there may, there's, that may still be acceptable in heaven. It may not only be part of the fallen nature. Will there be joy? Yes. Will there be regrets? No. Will there be suffering? No. Will there be pain? No. Will there be peace? Yes. Will there be perfection in His presence? Absolutely. But we will be more like Kintsugi, the bowls with golden lacquer poured into their cracks. Then we will be these new vessels, unrecognizable to ourselves and everyone else. Caleb, it's me, Mark. Prove it. Where did we go on not so much? Rather, we'll be able to look into each other's lives and see, I see what God has done for you. I see how God has finished you, how the crimson blood of Jesus has come and fully restored and redeemed you, how He's poured upon your broken mind, how He's poured into your broken heart, how He's poured into your broken body, how He's redeemed your broken memories, how He's given you back from your broken identity. And he's poured his golden lacquer, his crimson blood, over you and into you. And so we will be these kintsugi, these more valuable, these more rare, these more unique, living vessels, because of the life of Jesus poured into our lives. Paul says, The old has gone, the new has come. What a great promise! The old has gone, the new has come. Hey, if you over here, it's one of the freest things in the world to humble ourselves before God and say, God, there's some old that needs to go and some new that needs to come. Pour your life into me over this hard heart, over this harsh mind, over this poisoned tongue, Whatever it might be, where I I stand as a prideful person, independent and strong, I humble myself and God, won't you pour your life into my cracks? Help me to open up my hands. Help me to trust your love and compassion and grace. And over here, God, it's so scary to let go of my pains and suffering. It's so so scary. Keller writes that beautiful book, The Must Read Freedom of Self Forgetfulness. That is so scary but I can only do that because I trust you. God, help me to forget myself. Help me to stop pointing to myself. Help me to stop uh, clinging into the, on the negativity. And help, your, help me to trust your life, to enjoy the joy, to accept the healing. The old has gone, the new has come. I have a list. I'm just going to skip it. A list of ways in which people in this community that I know of are going through struggles. And I'll skip the list, but there's some things like a family that has to go to hospital three or four times every week and has had to do that for two years. And you imagine it's part of your routine and they're not doctors going to work. They're patients going to hospital three or four times a week for two years. Where is God? He's right there. Every single trip, He's right there. Kintsugi, the golden repairer. There's so many things. I'm I'm just just going to move on from the list. I'm not trying to create curiosity in your minds about who's who. Let's play a game. Guess who I'm talking about. (laughs) Jesus says that He's come that we may have life abundantly. And what stands in the way of that abundant life is pride, that we won't accept our brokenness. You know, that, that Shogun could have gone, who cares about tradition? Who cares about a silly bowl? I'm so powerful, I'm so meaningful, I'm such a big shot in this nation, I'll just buy a new one, buy a better one, buy a greater one. But he was humble enough to hold on to the scraps of that bowl. And to find a repairer, which is is now a full art form that's gone across the world. Because he valued the brokenness. He was humble enough to admit that even someone as important as him could make a really bad mess up of something that was put into his hands. This life was put into your hands. Mark, your life was in your hands. God gave you free will. You really messed it up. I can be humble about it. And then the golden repairer can do his best. It's also interesting to me that the golden repairer wasn't... uh, that the shogun wasn't the repairer, but the community was. The craftsmen were. There were people around him that needed to pour this golden lacquer. They needed to think about it. They needed to be creative. They needed to chat to one another. How can we restore? How can we bring healing? How can we make this beautiful and unique? How can we take this brokenness? There's no one who's thinking more about our repair than God himself. It says Jesus intercedes for us. He's right now thinking on our behalf, for our good. He's representing us before the Father. And so do we in community. When someone opens up humbly about their brokenness, something's going on, we don't stand there pointing a finger going, I knew it. We stand there going, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to find the mind of Christ for this. We know there's grace and compassion for this. We're going to get creative about this. Let's try some things. But we know when God has finished His work, there will be something more beautiful, more valuable, more lovely. When He is done, this will be good. Let's participate together. And so on the other side, He has come that they may have life and have it abundantly. There's no glory there is no glory in seeing your cracks. <laughs> it's good. It's good to see the cracks. It's good to see other people's cracks. But if you only hear that sentence in the sermon, that's going to be confusing. <laughs> it's good to... It's, it's, but there's no glory in that. If that's where it ends, there's absolutely no glory in that. There's absolutely no glory... I'll just say things I've said from the pulpit because you know this I've experienced experienced some degree of anxiety or some days are harder than other days to to get up and get going or there's stress that makes your heart ache inside of your own chest and your doctor and your therapist they both have to teach me how to breathe (laughs) 40 years old having to learn how to breathe again great now 41 sorry lied about my age clinging on. There's no glory in that. No glory in people feeling sorry for you. No glory in trying to get people to go, oh, shame. must be tough. There's no glory in that. I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Satan comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Let's not... I used to love my young friend. I don't know if he's changed now, but at the time when someone would testify (laughs) And they'd get up. Actually, it was his dad. He'd never changed. Someone would testify. You know those testimonies? Someone gets up for 10 minutes, and nine, nine of the minutes, they tell about all the things they did wrong in their life. I was taking drugs. I killed this person. I did jail time. And then, and then they get to the end, and they go, and then I met Jesus, and everything changed, and I'm, in, I'm different now. His father would get up, and he'd say, uh, that's a terrible testimony. We don't want to glorify everything Satan got right in your life. What we want to hear about is everything God's done. What we want to hear about is how Jesus is pouring life into your life. What we don't need to just recall all the, oh wow, you're such a bad sinner. Oh gosh, that's hideous and horrendous. Oh my goodness, that's such a difficult day. Sure, great, tell it, let's hear about it. But don't finish until you, until you tell us how Jesus wins, how Jesus gives life. And if you don't see it yet, let's cling on. Because He said He comes to give life and life abundantly. If it's not there yet, we know it's coming. He's the golden repairer, kinsugi. How do we know this? And, and I am closing. Well, Jesus says to us, He goes, look at the wildflowers and the grass. Why would... Why would wildflowers be beautiful? Jesus said, look at the, lily of the lilies of the field. In His day, that was something that would grow in an arid region. Once there was some water, some lilies might pop up. They weren't expensive. They weren't, they weren't valuable to anyone. No one would take, cut a lily and plant them and put them in their little vase in their house. Why would God waste His time making someone something no one values beautiful? Jesus says, if, if you don't get what I'm saying, look at the grass of the fields. That was an arid region. It might pop up in the morning and be dead by the afternoon. Why would God waste His time making something come up out of the ground, full of color, full of vibrancy, full of life? Grass comes out so excited. If you don't believe me, go to some part of your garden where you don't want grass to grow. See how excitedly it comes out of the ground. As soon as you look away, you'll turn back. It will be there. And then it's gone in the arid region. And Jesus says, He says, this is the point. Because it's the Father's disposition to care for you. You This is what Jesus is saying. You can't do something for it. You can't coerce Him. You can't twist his arm, you can't give him breakfast in bed to line him up to ask you to take you to the beach. You can't bring him his morning coffee because you want to ask him to help you do something. You can't be good enough to for him to go, okay, I'll care for this one, I'll bless this one. Like a health and wealth prosperity gospel. If you give to God, he'll give back to you. He's just waiting. He's waiting. Who's going to give to me? Who can I bless? Let me see. Oh, are you going to give it to me? Okay, I'll give to you. You can't do that. Jesus goes, the Father's disposition is to care for you, to provide for you, to bless you, to make life beautiful. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. In COVID, 110%. More assurance than 100%. Why? Because it's His character and nature. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. The world has experienced far harsher times in history than we're experiencing. And yet His goodness came through. His beauty came through. So whatever your life is like, whatever it looks like, Jesus says you are more precious than the grass and the wildflowers. You're more precious. So how much more won't the Father take care of you? Redemption is happening all around us. Kintsugi is happening all around us. You know, the only reason those Japanese craftsmen could find a way in their creativity and community and thoughtfulness and resources, the only reason they could find a way to make something beautiful that became broken, more beautiful and valuable is because that's how they were made. As image bearers of God, they had it in them, the ability of God, the common grace of God through their skillfulness to make something beauty, beautiful out of something broken. The only reason we have beauty in our world, in our songs, in our art, in our food, in our clothing, in our relationships, in our poetry is because we are image bearers of God and we have His nature, His, the way that He is put into us to repair and make things beautiful. We are all these craftsmen, these kintsugi, who add life and beauty. Christmas was all about that, blessing one another because He has blessed us. Joy because he's given us joy. Songs and dancing, because He's given us a reason for songs and dancing. Food and festivities, because He's the reason for food and festivities. As we come to communion, and just want to take a few minutes to sit down and reflect on the year. I really want to ask you for the Holy Spirit to help see or have faith If you're standing here and you're going, yeah, it sounds terrifying to see the cracks in my life. This is is where I've lived most of my life, personally. This isn't rhetorical. Mark Tapping has mostly lived here. I don't want to show my cracks. And the only thing that makes this not only doable, but actually quite exciting, actually something that's quite desirous, is knowing what God is like. Knowing his character and disposition, to pour, as we see those cracks, for him to pour his love and grace into them and to make something very beautiful. And the only thing that makes this safe and desirable is knowing the goodness of his abundant life. It's hard to let go. What if I let go? People forget me. What if people stop asking how I am? I've got to stay. I've got to stay not okay, so that people will stay interested. God will. God will never be less interested in you because you don't need Him. We open up our lives, and He's pausing His healing, and His wholeness. There's a bunch of stories that I was thinking about because. But I, one that came through yesterday, I really got excited about today as I thought through the stories you've told me through the year of how God's come through. And I won't, I won't share anyone's story. I'll just say one that was exciting, but you won't know who I'm talking about except them. But there was, there was someone who had to go through something that, in their words, was one of the hardest things that they've had to do. And the way they got to deciding to do it was out of, uh, you know, we have the little thing, Jesus above all others before me. Just thinking about that and saying, God, what, how do we respond in this situation, Jesus above all others before me? And they had a sense of what God was directing them towards. And then they had a scripture come to mind. They got led to a scripture. And they opened up that scripture, and that scripture confirmed that they should really lay down their life for the sake of others. It wasn't black or white. It wasn't right or wrong. It was just a gracious response. God given us the ability to be gracious to those who are maybe not being gracious to us. They laid down their lives and they did one of the hardest things that they could do out of a desire for God's glory to flow through their lives. And then they opened up the Australian And do you know what they found in The Australian? The Australian, which I believe is printed in Sydney. Or written there. I, I don't know where it is. Do you know what they found there? A letter, uh, 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 an article written about uh, how radical Jesus is. How, if you will give the Bible some attention this season. It might change your whole life. And do you know what verse the writer used? The exact same verse that this person was led to read. In other words, after they did this radical thing, they picked up an Australian newspaper, read it, and right before their eyes was this book Jesus Will Change Your Life. Look at this. And it was like God ministering to them. That's redemption. That's love. That's grace. That's mercy. Did it make laying down life easy? Not at all. Did it make the journey any, any easier? Not at all. But it made it all worth it. Because God is glorious. Because God is wonderful. And God poured his crimson, uh, golden repair into this person's life and gave them encouragement. What's their testimony? Hey, when God calls you to lay down your life, it sucks. But when we do it, He comes through. He encourages us. He holds us. He, up, he, he, he helps us get through it. And no one else may understand it, but at least we know that in His eyes, what we've done is precious. What we've done is valuable. And He's helped us by His Spirit. How encouraging. Why does God care about the details? Because He loves us. How intricately the Spirit leads us. And if we'll pay attention, this is what I'm trying to say, if we'll pay attention... All of us may have read The Australian. Many of you would have missed the article. I wouldn't have read it if the person didn't send it to me. If we'll pay attention, we will find golden repairs happening all around. In our lives, almost every single day, the kintsugi, the golden repairer, the artist, is working away. Whether we see it or not, it's happening. Nothing says it more than this This. This. Symbol. And so I want to ask you to come and take communion with me. If you, if you want to take with another person or by yourself, choose. But I want to ask you, if you're with someone else, to share a story. Share something, some memory, some thought, some, some way in which you're either trusting God and going, Hey, I need to actually see God do this in my heart or my life. Or, or on this side... Yeah, but be careful. Don't be too self-centered about letting go of being self-centered. I really want to see God open up my hands to His healing and His joy and the lifter of my head. Or just tell the story of what have you really seen, the golden repairer at work this year. How can we anticipate Him next year? What's the situation you're aware of? Where we can see God come to work. And then let's pray for each other and together. All right? This isn't it, we don't have to find solutions. We don't have to fix anything. This is us, people coming with tea bowls, seeing the cracks. We're coming before the craftsman, the divine craftsman, the Kintsugi, and saying, Do your work. This is your commitment to do it. We, your people, are coming before you and saying, Do your work, praise you for the work you've done and praise you for the work you're going to do.